Welcome to another episode of Canton Bound, the NFL half of the Campus to Canton podcast. This is not Colin. Colin usually does the intro, but again, he is away for the week. So I am joined by two very, very special guests, uh, two folks that are with me here at Campus to Canton. Uh, Mr. Matthew Fox at Nighthawk7734 uh, seven, 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 on Twitter. Uh, in addition to contributing with us, he does uh, the uh, Motor City Drive-By podcast and is a renowned film critic. Going to ask you about some movie stuff maybe a little bit later. And then I've got Brandon Sanders here as well at, at CFF University. Um, Mr. CFFU himself. Uh, you can find all of his he's a future freshman podcast. Uh, gone away. Might be something else replacing it here during the season. We'll have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for joining me. Uh, uh, welcome on to the C2C pod here. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, I feel like an official part of the team now. <laughs> finally, finally. After... Got the shirt, got the show appearance. Yeah. Well, then there are a lot of people that aren't officially part of the team. Cause <laughs> there are definitely <laughs> a lot of people we haven't had on here yet. <laughs> so if, if that's where we draw the line, then uh, we, we've got some guesting to do here over the next couple months. Um so I, I, we have both you guys on. I mean, Matt, you are basically the NFL department here at Campus to Canton. So, so we'd be remiss if you don't have, if we didn't have you on. And then Brandon, I mean, you have you you wrote for the FF Ballers for a while. Like you yeah, have ballers, people don't necessarily nurse, know this yeah. that that you have this NFL background, right? Yes, NFL was the gateway drug before CFF took over my life. So yeah, I uh, I dabble in both. I guess it's great for Campus to Canton, right? It's all on both sides. I uh, I dabble in both all the time. Well, I'm glad that I both you guys on because I think the the running um, just fact is that I I am low energy on Canbound, so I brought oh. you guys on to to fix that problem for me here to carry the show. Um, so let's hop right into this, guys. I think first things first. Uh, this afternoon, and we we're recording this a day earlier than we usually do, so this will still release Friday. So this will this will be two days old. Whatever. Baker Mayfield traded from the Browns to the Panthers. Um, a, a late conditional fifth could turn into a fourth. It sounds like it is what the it is going in return for him. It sounds like the Browns are eating some of the salary still. Um, Matt, I'll come over to you first. Good thing for for Baker Mayfield. Like, I mean, is this better than Seattle or, or some of the other options for him? Yeah, so I think the three teams that had kind of emerged as options were the Seahawks, um, who have their own dubious QE situation. The Buccaneers, where the appeal might have been to be a successor to Brady on a good franchise, or the Panthers. And I'll be honest, the Panthers were my last choice out of those. Uh, I just don't believe Matt Rule survives past this season. It's great for DJ Moore. Um, he probably deserves a better quarterback than what he's had the last few years. Um, I don't really think it impacts. I think Christian McCaffrey, as long as he's healthy, is going to be good. It's a weird fit. You already had Robbie Anderson kind of dousing Baker Mayfield on social media. Um, so you're going to have to walk that one back. He's got Rashard Higgins. That'll probably be a little more comfortable for him. But I don't think Carolina has a good team. I'm not a Ben McAdoo fan. Um, a lot of people digging out the whole Ben McAdoo from the draft who had Baker Mayfield behind uh, Mason Rudolph and Josh Rosen and Darnold and pretty much every other quarterback that was coming out. So that's that's an odd energy. 
And I just think it's a bummer for Baker because he deserves, I think, a shot to go somewhere and, and have a chance to rehab himself. And it feels like everything's setting up in Carolina that it's 2022 and then your contracts for a lot of players, including all the quarterbacks, are up and you can wipe the slate clean and get a new coach. Similar questions for you, Brandon, on this move or or do you like it? Um, uh, Tampa Bay was the most appealing sitting behind Brady for a year, really sitting beside, you know, the greatest to, to do it in our generation. I would have to say, you know, I don't want to like saying that out loud because I'm an LA guy, but it is what it is. Brady's really, really good at what he does. Right. Um, Baker's sitting behind there and taking over a very stout Bucks offense. Probably would have been most ideal. Honestly, I probably would have liked him a little bit better in Seattle. I think that would have been an easy QB win. I think this is a QB win. I'm not saying that Darnold, is going to outbeat Baker. He might have the advantage in the playbook a little bit now, but that's not going to really matter if Baker's talent is there. A lot of people forget Baker took the Browns to the playoffs. I mean, like, that's kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like, he brought them out into a prominent one where now the Browns were able to go get a Watson and, you know, these other players like, you know, Amari Cooper and things like that. So it's like, you know, otherwise it wouldn't have been a destination you really wanted to go to still. So, I still think that that's there. I still think he's got some very yourself. He's coming with a chip on his shoulder. That's a factor. When Mad Brady or when Mad Baker plays, you get the best out of Baker Mayfield. You see what happens when Oklahoma and he, you know, spikes a flag down the middle of the field and stuff like that. You know, when Baker plays with the intention to uh, make you pay for your words, it's good. Um, the Panthers just have to keep him upright, just like they have to keep CMC healthy. If they could keep those two in the backfield healthy, uh, that's going to prove really good because uh, Baker can make some accurate throws when you give him enough time and let him read the field the way he needs to. I'm a big fan of DJ Moore. I liked him coming out of Maryland. He was one of my favorite write-ups I did there with the Dynasty Nerds when I had that opportunity to. So I feel like DJ Moore is good. I'm going to tell people that are Terrence Marshall fans to just hold on a little bit. Like he's not coming back from the dead just yet. So don't, you know, squeal up high that Terrence Marshall is going to arise and have value there. Uh, I love the Hollywood Higgins uh, uh you know, partnership there with Baker. I feel like that gives him some opportunity, but uh, you know, it's a, it's opportunity for, you know, we're talking fantasy. Baker's actually going to be a playable quarterback this year. You don't have to sit him and wait, but that, that's kind of where I feel. I'm in the same boat. Like it, it's got, it's good points, but it's uh probably not the best location he could have went to. So, but Hey, uh, you know, you can sell him while you want to dynasty or, you know, if you're in your, your can side or, Whatever you got going on, you could definitely, you know, sell them for a decent price. Now you don't have to sell them for pennies or for a lower draft pick at this point. So that's good. Matt, you were talking about, you know, you you were unsure of some of the ancillary targets there. CMC mm-hmm. and DJ Moore are the big names, and Brandon kind of just went through the list of what's what's available there. Does this boost any of those guys for you, or is this kind of going to be a, a funnel toward those two really big names? Yeah, so CMC, I didn't move. I already, I have him as RB5 right now in my current redraft rankings. I did just uh, vault more up a little bit. I had um, I, I thought for sure Baker was going to Seattle. So I just went through and dropped my Seattle guys, you know, RIP DK Metcalf. But I did move DJ Moore up. He's always hangs around uh, – wide receiver one territory. I think he's going to be in that 11 to 15 range. I think it's going to be great. Terrace Marshall, Robbie Anderson, Ian Thomas, who they for some reason gave a giant contract to, and Higgins are all probably going to contribute at different times, but I wouldn't trust any of them to be top 50. 
DJ kind of feels to me uh, like a souped up Jarvis Landry who Baker seemed to have a pretty decent amount of success with in, in Cleveland there. I mean, uh, Landry had a lot of success with the Dolphins too, but in his four years with the Browns, I mean, uh, basically averaged close to a thousand yards, a handful of touchdowns, 80 ish catches when he was healthy. So, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, and we, DJ Moore's a better player, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that feels pretty good to me. Um, Carolina even, likely to be behind too. So I imagine they're going to throw. Especially in the division for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does this mean we're going to have Jacoby Brissett season? For, for the Browns for, I mean, probably at least 100%. No, I, so I'm floating this idea and let's see if you guys like it. What do you think says Jimmy G is getting healthy? What if Jimmy G just signs for a year, plays for Browns, brings up his draft stock, right? And then maybe he gets a starting role, maybe in Seattle next year or something like that. I still think Jimmy might still go to Seattle. That would be the best scenario, especially for my Jimmy G share that I have. The only one that I got left It'd be great for him to start somewhere, but I wouldn't be opposed to Jimmy G coming in and competing with Brissett for one year. That'd be great for Amari Cooper, you know? So there's a thought. What do you guys think? I mean, Matt Bruning might have a a seizure um, to think (laughs) that the Browns traded three first round picks and spent $300 million to end up choosing between Jimmy G and Jacoby Brissett. I'm going to be honest. I think Jimmy G is going to be a starter in San Francisco this year. I don't think he moves. Um, but that would be probably more appealing. The The real tough thing for Cleveland right now is now they're talking about the window where they're going to make the announcement about Watson's suspension on NFL radio. They were talking about that being the week of July 25th. That's when training camp opens. That's kind mm-hmm. of brutal. But they probably have a roster that could get into the playoffs, not with Jacoby Brissett. They're, yeah. they're 7 and 19. Yeah, de- definitely brutal for them. And you have to wonder, you know, when, once that that Watson contract kicks in, I mean, I know the, the cap always goes up. Quarterback deals eventually end up looking cheap, blah, 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 blah. Um, but you got to figure, I mean, that window can't be open for like this was kind of going to have to be like one of those contending years because you got to have you have a lot of guys in that team you're going to have to pay soon. I mean, on the especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think is really going to be yeah. where their problem is. So I'm interested to see, I mean, as a Steelers fan, I'm gleefully just waiting to watch the whole house of cards fall apart. And and I'm hoping this is kind of the beginning of it. If I, if I'm being honest, the only good thing for Cleveland is they're a kind of a power running team and they still have their three headed running back attack intact, but not having a better option at quarterback should give everyone pause because Cleveland's wide receiver group, Mark Cooper's great. I like the potential of Njoku, but I, did one of the position battles looking at their roster and looking at what Brissett did as a starter in Indianapolis. And I think you're lowering expectations for everyone. I'd be surprised if Amari Cooper was much more than a low end wide receiver three. Wow. Wide receiver three. Okay. Wow. So if you're doing any redraft or, or, you know, people dropped an underdog and stuff. I mean, we're, we're fading Amari Cooper pretty hard. Yeah. I dropped him down into the thirties because I mean, if you look at, what Brissett did uh, in his year starting in Indianapolis, no receiver had more than 72 targets. So even if you think Cooper can get up to around a hundred targets, I just don't know that the volume and the passing touchdowns, it's probably going to look almost as ugly as what Cleveland's passing offense looked last year, which didn't really produce, you know, we liked Jarvis Landry. We liked Odell. They didn't really have, viable guys that you felt good throwing your lineup in last year. 
Yeah, definitely tough scenes uh, for for people rostering Browns and and for Browns fans. Um, now that we've kind of surgically dissected uh, the Browns' offense and Carolina's offense, I, I brought you guys on. You know, we're you are both Broncos fans, right? Um, you're probably the only two Broncos fans I know too. So uh, this well, is worked out Isn't, perfectly. PJ is too. Is he really? PJ he is. doesn't count. He doesn't He's, count. He's mentioned it on uh, in the Slack. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, now I'm gonna uh, have to hit up PJ more for our love for the Broncos. Yeah, <laughs> and the three Broncos fans. Holy crap! Um, You're welcome. <laughs> We're slowly taking over one by Man, one. Man, before you know it, yeah, I, I got to be careful here. Um, You're fine. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this offense. I, I don't know what to do with this offense. It feels like there's almost an embarrassment of riches, but maybe not necessarily like that one, like CMC ish kind of guy feels like the touches can really kind of go anywhere. They got Russ Wilson this off season. So I figured we could have a really nice long discussion about what you guys are doing with some of the, the other pieces on the Broncos. Uh, and actually I do want to start with Russ. He's had some really good seasons there in, in Seattle, but I think there's been uh, some people have suggested that when they've allowed him to just kind of go do his thing, that's when the offense has maybe sputtered a little bit more, hasn't been as consistent. Um, do we think that Denver is going to kind of give him the keys to this thing and, and just let him cook, Brandon? I think they're giving him more of a freedom, yeah. Uh, is it going to be everything? Probably not. Uh, but at the same time, we've seen it where um, Russ has been having the guys over, whether it's first string to third string, it doesn't matter. He has constant meetings. He's all the time hanging out with the guys, doing passing drills and stuff like that. And that's where we can drill down on these wide receivers and stuff like that. But, you know, Russ has this way of doing things. And, yeah, it's a next level versus what we had. Drew Locke was young. He was just learning how to become a leader in the NFL, different from what he had you know, in Missouri and stuff like that. So it's a different mindset. It's a different uh, intensity. It's the kind of the same reverence that you get, not, uh, not I would say to the tier, but very close to Manning level where it's like, hey, this guy is a big-time player in this league. He makes a difference, and we should probably listen to what he has to say. So I think he has a lot of input, and I think he does do it, but does he get the full keys? Not as long as Elway and you know Patton are there. I think they're still going to run their ship regardless, but Russ is going to have like 80% what he wants to do, basically. I think. I, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, and I think it has – almost more to do with Nathaniel Hackett um, yeah, coming true. in than it does, you know, if it was Vic Fangio, um, you're probably looking at the Seattle version of let Russ cook. But if you look at Hackett the last few years, he was the offensive coordinator in Jacksonville for, and you know, that may not impress people, but he was the offensive coordinator for good Jacksonville mm-hmm. where you had Blake Bortles going to the AFC championship game. And then he spent the last three years in, Green Bay, where they've won 39 games in three seasons. You know, he was the offensive coordinator there. Obviously, LaFleur was calling the plays, but he had a big role in developing and running that system, and he had to have learned, if nothing else, um, bringing that there. And I think you look at the weapons, Denver has had good wide receivers, good running back, good tight end options for the last three years. Denver has had, in my opinion, a playoff caliber roster the last two years, and they've really underperformed due to a combination of coach and quarterback. And I'm hopeful that with both those things going up and with Russell Wilson having plenty of experience carrying teams, I mean, he took 
a Seattle team from the time that he was a rookie that nobody had any expectations for and pulled them up into the playoffs. He pulled up offenses that had much fewer weapons into the playoffs, and Denver still has the core of a a really decent defense. They're in a very tough division, but I think they have the tools to be a wild card team, and I think Russell Wilson, who usually hovers around that, you know, quarterback one level, he was QB 16 last year, missing three or four games. So I think he can get up into QB one status again. Yep, absolutely. I think you're muted. Son of a gun. Um, <laughs> it wouldn't be a show without it. Um, so. <clears throat> what i was saying before um if russ is kind of the tide that 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 rises all ships here um realistically wide receiver finishes sutton and judy are they the top two guys and and what realistically can we project them for this year where do you have them uh matt in your rankings all right so i will preface this by saying i think jerry judy has plenty of talent we've seen that come in I have been thoroughly unimpressed in his two years as a receiver for Denver. I know that he has not had a quality quarterback, but he seems to be a player that sometimes goes into the tank, Um, especially in 2020, his rookie year. There were a couple of those games that Denver actually could have won where Drew Locke put the ball in places that he should have caught it and he didn't make plays and then he tended to pout. I think he's Denver's third best receiver for that reason. I also think if you looked at Hackett in Jacksonville, you looked at Green Bay, they tend to favor outside receivers. Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton are bigger bodies. They will start on the outside. Russell Wilson has tended to favor outside receivers and not the slot as much. I think Judy ends up in the slot. I think Judy will end up being the third highest scoring Broncos receiver too. And I'll be honest, I, you know, I, was going back and forth with this on Twitter with somebody. I'm not sure that their offense isn't exactly the same with Sutton Patrick and Hamler in the slot as it would be Judy. I He's got a lot of growing up to do if he's ever going to reach that level. Last year, despite bad quarterback play, you know Sutton was wide receiver 44, Patrick was 42. Those guys were out there trying to make plays even though the ball was nowhere in their vicinity half the time. Judy was 84 wide receiver 85. I think Sutton ends up being the wide receiver one. I have him, I'm currently projecting wide receiver 15. I think he is their best wide receiver regardless of talent. I think Patrick is good enough and will take enough of those targets and work so hard at what he does and is a better all-around player. I think he'll end up being in a wide receiver three, as will Jerry Judy. Interesting. And the, the, obviously the cost of those two guys, very, very different. Tim Patrick is wide receiver 63 right now. Uh, in terms of ADP, he is a screaming deal to me. I think he will finish top 30. Uh, I know people, a lot of people fight, fight between Patrick and Hamler. I mean, it sounds like you, you, you think it's going to clearly, clearly Patrick. I think you saw that Patton recognized that as well. There's a reason that most Broncos fans, I think if you would ask going into last year, thought it was going to be a choice of we're extending Sutton or we're extending Patrick and they're keeping Judy. And if you notice a lot of the trade talks before Fant ended up being the one that went, 
we thought Judy was going to end up being traded because Patton went out and signed long-term deals with both Sutton and Patrick because he recognized if you were watching, as I'm sure Brandon did last year, Jerry Judy wasn't a starter last year. He would come in on three wide receiver packages. Sutton and Patrick are are more, um, you know, they try harder. They are much better blockers. I think Tim Patrick, if we were going on heart, is the Broncos by far and away best receiver. Um, he just wow. doesn't quite have the talent of the other two in terms of raw talent. But I think he gets undervalued in this. There's a lot of people that just think, oh, Jerry Judy's going to go off and be incredible. I just don't. I think he'll be better, but not, not what we maybe thought he was going to be when he got drafted. Brandon, or is there anyone that you're kind of targeting in that wide receiver room, or is, you know, are you, are you towing the line fairly similar to what Matt's doing here? I'm pretty similar. Uh, I'm definitely on the Cortland Sutton train. Uh, you know, Cortland Sutton coming in, and that's the thing about playing CFF. Like all these wide receivers I've seen at the college level and seeing them progress to the pros, it's it's a beautiful thing to watch, right? So Cortland Sutton was very raw. There's another guy that's very raw that came in and did a wonder for Russell Wilson. That was DK Metcalf, right? He was pretty much a one route kind of guy at uh, Ole Miss, but he was an absolute monster. Cortland Sutton has so much talent. And I would almost agree that Tim Patrick has probably got the best heart. Uh, I think he's just a guy that rose from the bottom that just never said die and wanted to become what he became. And I think he's gotten better because of the talent around him, because they push him to be better. Uh, my favorite actually this year is KJ Hamler. I think he becomes more of a locket type situation. I think he can stretch the field, the big bomb play. So they're double teaming Cortland or they're boxing out Patrick. Hamler could really just take off, you know, the top of the defense. And the next thing you know, you got a you know, 50, 60 yard pass going on. Boom. Hamler's got it and takes it out of bounds or takes it to the end zone. And now we got a situation to where the defense are struggling. You know, they're on their heels trying to fight back. So and, and look at the division that they have to play against. So it's like, we got a great defense. I think we'll hold up pretty strong, but you know, look what we're going to have to go up against. So it's like, you're going to have to pass just as much. And we'll talk about the run game, but I think we got a solid run game. Um, so I think we're a lot more balanced. We got the piece that we need. We have a very smart quarterback now in Russell Wilson. Um, and he knows how to scramble out of the pocket too and extend plays. And I think that also lends a favor to KJ Hamler, who we've seen at Penn state, just get wide freaking open and, and go for it. And, that talent hasn't left. And if, if anything, maybe the injury set him back a little bit, but I think he's primed for a big deal. You know, uh, I'm kind of an agreeance. I love Jerry Judy. I loved having him in, in college. And then of course having Mechie on my roster. So I love seeing that type of talent, but Judy is just not playing to the level that he did when he was on a national championship. He just needs to, like Matt said, he just needs to put the pieces together. Once he does that at the NFL level, I think he could explode, but um, the other three are passing him up right now. So Judy does have to probably step up, but he's going to be a factor. But I, I I think Sutton's the guy and he's worth the top 20. Kind of Matt says he's 15. I, I, I could see him going all the way up to wide receiver one at 12, all the way down to wide receiver 20. Just kind of depends basically. But Hamler is a great steal. I think I didn't look at ADP for fantasy pros, but he's way down there. So I think he would be a great steal. His ADP right now is 172. That's beautiful. I'd take him in a heartbeat for like a third rounder or whatever you got to do in dynasty or in redraft. Just take him near the end of your rounds. Uh, I definitely would sneak on uh, try to get KJ. Interesting. So, I mean, th th we've, we're talking about, you know, 
Sutton's probably going to be uh, pretty solid this year. That that Judy and Patrick can be potential wide receiver threes. That Hamler could could be sneaky. How much does that leave for Albert O at, at tight end? You know, obviously getting rid of of Noah Fant there. I mean, will he? There was that big buy fest right after that happened. Is, are we going to see return on that for people that kind of paid up for for Albert O there? Um, go ahead, Matt. I. I like Alberto. Um, I liked him last year. I was excited. Um, I think there's a couple of things to think about in terms of, of scheme and stuff. He was tight end 29 last year. I think probably a tight end two is more realistic. There's a reason that they drafted Dulcich also. I don't think they're completely sold. He's struggled at times with injury. I also look at Russell Wilson last year for Wilson. Gerald Everett finished as tight end 22. I think that's a realistic expectation for Albert O. So I, a lot of the people that jumped out were just like, oh, he's top 10 right away are kind of misremembering the way that Russell Wilson has typically played and the way, you know, if you think about Green Bay, aside from the one season where Robert Tunyon caught like 20 touchdowns and ended up being a top five tight end, they, they used the tight end, but not an incredible amount. Jacksonville, I think we'd be hard-pressed to remember a tight end that played for Blake Bortles. So Alberto will be decent, but I think it's more about these wide receivers and backs. I agree. A lot of people forget that Alberto and Drew Locke played together at Missouri, so I think they had that going for them. Now with that separated again, uh, I am going to miss Noah Fant. I know people were a little hard on him, but I did enjoy Fant. I thought he was really good coming out of Iowa. Uh, He was one of my favorite tight ends and I thought he was worth the top 10 pick to grab him. Uh, so we're, you know, we're going to miss him there in Denver, but at the same time, like I like Greg Dolchich, I think, you know, completely healthy. He could compete with Alberto for touches. And if they decide they want to do a two tight end system, that might muddy the waters a little bit, you know, more too. So um, I don't think uh, Hackett does that two tight end system very much at all. If, if anything at all. So I'm kind of agreeing with, this with Matt. I think Alberto can be like a, you know, if they're, uh, it's a game script situation, really. Um, it's going to come down to if he's just needed in those short terms or if he just happens to break coverage and get open. I just wouldn't expect a ton of targets heading his way, at least this year, maybe next year as the uh, system improves. But I, I definitely would lean more the wide receivers and then probably uh, one particular running back between the two that we'll talk about for sure. Is Dulcich worth stashing at all then, guys? I mean, uh, Brandon, come to you. Because, I mean, you've got, again, all these wide receivers. We've got Alberto. Mm-hmm. They took him relatively early, fourth round or whatever. I mean, that's yeah, nothing to say that. that. But um, I mean, what's he worth right now? Um, I mean, he he didn't in, in my uh, dynasty rookie uh, draft. He didn't get taken. He was a waiver, and you know, someone outbid me for him. I was just going to take him and put him on the uh, you know on the the taxi squad and just hope for the best type situation. So. Uh, you know, it kind of just depends on your favor. I had him in, you know, for me, CFF, he was decent at UCLA. So I enjoyed that, you know, that particular thing. So I knew he's capable of increasing targets. He's a good catching tight end. So I think he has the tangibles. Uh, I just think he's a stash right now. Honestly, I, I don't know if I would, you know, take him or actually draft him per se. He's definitely got a guy you put on the watch list and just kind of see where it's progressing from there. Yeah, in the redraft, I'm not taking them. But in in Dynasty, I have been taking them as a stash. I like it when I can get them as a value at the end of the third or into the fourth round. That's where I've taken them a couple of times. I've seen some people reach and take them at like the top of the second of rookie drafts. I'll pray for you because you just kind of <laughs> wasted a valuable spot. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. you. They they signed Eric Tomlinson, who's probably going to be the blocking tight end. They still right. like Eric Soybert, who could end up making Andrew Beck plays a lot because he has that mm-hmm. fullback range. I, I just don't think there's enough tight end snaps for Dulcich to get enough targets. Do you think he's the guy after Albert? Or was that too far ahead in the future to like try to even really? I think Dolchus is tied into mm-hmm. yeah. on top alone. You know, yeah. What you're seeing is it's so George Patton came in last year. Um, I think what's fast, what's going to be interesting to watch, and you start to get a trend for what he sees based on the moves he made last year. So Jerry Judy was was an OA pick last year. Patton evaluating the team decided to extend the two other receivers. I thought that was telling. Patton picked Javante Williams, Gordon Hedman, and Oway signing. They were kind of content to let him walk until the money fell into the right place. Alberto, too, fourth round pick, was one of Oway's last picks. It wasn't a bad pick. They took Dulcich in the third round this year. I think that's giving you, to me, if you're watching, you know, the way GMs work, it feels like he's picking the pieces that he wants to see going forward. Final piece here of this offense is the backfield. You know, it is talented, as you guys both have alluded to, um, you know, two legit, probably starting caliber uh, running backs on the team. Matt, I'll come over to you first. I mean, we expecting a pretty heavy 50-50 split again this year, and we're we actually expecting, like, overall the, the running back touches to go down now that you have a better passer at quarterback. I don't think the pat, the running back touches will necessarily uh, go down. Um, you know, running was a huge part of what Green Bay was doing. Running to pass running has been a huge part of what Russ did in Seattle. I do think you started to see toward the end of last season, Javante Williams ended up being the more favored choice in the red zone and in the passing game, which are trends that I think continue last year. They ended up both getting 203 carries. I think you're going to see sort of an Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon situation this year. I think Javante Williams will be the number one back, so to say, in the 225 to 250 range, probably will be the favorite guy in the red zone and will be more of a passing back. He was RB17 last year. Gordon was RB21, mostly because he got a ton of touchdowns early um, because the red zone was not a friend to Teddy Bridgewater. Um, they they fumbled a lot of passing attempts, and so they'd end up pounding it in there. I think with his touchdowns ebbing back, I think he ends up in the 150 to 175 range. He's currently going as RB37. I think that's spot on. I'm as RB36 in my redraft rankings. I think he'll be an RB3. He'll be a contributor. He'll be a deep league flex, but he's not going to have that ceiling of Williams. The only pause I have for Williams is people have gone so all in and I love him too. It's hard not to, but you know, he has no, he's not a value anywhere in drafts any, anymore because of where he's going. He's going up in the top five. I think he will make it into RB1 status. Again, he was 17 last year, splitting the load, really coming on at the end. But I think it's going to be bottom half RB1, not that, you know, a lot of people are, oh, he's going to be RB3. I, I don't think that he'll get that because of Gordon. You feel in the same way, Brandon? I mean, so I'm going to preface it with saying to have a Tar Heel become a Bronco is my yeah, greatest love. I, I take back um, the question. Never mind. Never mind. We can't do this. But no, I agree. So listen, Melvin is a great running back, and but he's coming off. He's coming down from his pinnacle of his playing career. He is getting 
older, but I think he makes a great veteran uh, that still can produce when called upon, but also a great uh, mentor. But I believe at the same time, Javante Williams was starting to run away uh, with with that type of situation. The momentum was going in his way. Uh, he's the younger back. He's their future at running back. Um, so, you know, I think they start that transition, especially in the Hackett uh, offense. He wants to make a staple. I think Williams will still be RB1. I don't expect him to be RB5, like Matt was saying. I think he can get, you know, between RB5 to 12. I think he stays in that in that RB1 situation. Uh, and I think Gordon can be a great, like you saying, a great flex play, a good DFS spot, um, best ball. You know, there's going to be weeks where maybe Javante needs to rest a few more and Gordon gets the goal line or something like that. He gets the touchdown, William gets the yards. They're going to they're gonna split it up, but I still I see it more of a 60-40. I, I honestly see Williams kind of start to push himself forward as the lead back, the, uh, the more of the 1A versus 1B, and just make it to where it's just 1 and 2 before Gordon's time is up there in Denver. Uh, you know, it took a while for them to re-sign Gordon. I know it's a matter of money and timing and things like that in particular. Uh, and if not, they were going to probably take a younger back to just back up Williams, you know, in the draft. So I'm glad everything kind of worked out the way that it did. Um, but I honestly see Javante really taking things over. So he would be the one I'd target. It's just like Matt said, there's no value there. So you're going to have to trade a pretty penny to go up and get Javante, but he's a younger back. So if you are looking to, um, get younger and, and dynasty, or if you're looking to have you know a few years with him or in redraft, you're going to have to get him fairly early. So um, you got to do what you got to do if you want to stay competitive. So, all right, folks, that is the definitive guide to the 2022 Broncos uh, offense. Hopefully, uh, everyone stays healthy there. I do have a soft spot uh, for the Broncos. So we got we have to break down three NFL offenses basically in, in full here today uh, due to, to news and then obviously your guys' expertise. Um, so thank you guys for that. Um, shifting away a little bit from you know specific offenses, I just asked you guys, you know, people here, Colin and I talk, we've got our favorites. We've got guys we don't like. Um, not a lot of outside perspective on the show. So I did want to hear uh, from the two of you um, just some players that you're higher on for this year and then some that you maybe you're a little bit lower on. Um, and I guess uh, we'll go, uh, Brandon, you want to give us both your names and then we'll, we'll go to Matt and discuss uh, his two. So go ahead and kick us, uh, kick us off there. Sure. So my favorite going on right now is uh, the wide receiver, Allen Robinson, A-Rob, going to the, to the Rams. Uh, I just think it's a great situation. Uh, Beckham still might be rumored to go to L.A., but right now we're, they're waiting on his healing process. And, of course, our, our good friend, I call him Bobby Trees, but Mr. Robert Woods, he's heading over to Tennessee. So with that situation right now, uh, Robinson's got an ADP of wide receiver 29, making the 71st overall with Fantasy Pros. I think that's an incredible way to pivot. I mean, Cooper Cup is the wide receiver one in ADP, so getting Cup is going to have to be a – 101 situation or a 102 or 103 depending on your redraft or even in dynasty going to get cup even as he's getting closer to year 30 you're gonna have to still pay a pretty penny for him whereas Allen robinson is at the advantage and i think he can really take over as a not even a wide receiver too more like a 1b situation like cup is the ppr machine that he is but a rob is the just talented guy you know and on the other side you see what matt stafford's able to do when he's unleashed and you know has has the machine behind him. Uh, I think business as usual with the Rams. I think they just try to make another go of it while they can with the talent that they have and um, really just make a push for another Super Bowl. So if they're going to do that, I think A-Rob's an excellent piece. And for the price range, I would definitely take A-Rob and kind of pass on Cooper, especially if you're doing best ball or redraft this year, for sure. 
Um, my second pick, of course, it wasn't a homer pick. It's just I just looked at the thing, but it is is Russell Wilson. So, uh, you know, Fantasy Pros has him as a QB eleven. So, you know, still QB one, but very low. I, but Russell Wilson is untapped, and he's able to kind of produce what he is. We've seen where Russell Wilson can compete for QB three, QB two, um, QB four. You know, things like that in particular. So, I think he's going to give you more of that advantage this year, especially you know, not giving the keys to the kingdom, but essentially being the quarterback, you know, the guy to lead them into the, you know, the, the next level here for Denver. So uh, he's 73rd overall. And why wouldn't you take that type of situation? So I think you can get him in rounds nine and nine to 11 and redraft uh, best ball. Of course, you can grab him a little bit later. People are kind of forgetting about him for a little bit, which is kind of crazy because he's been in the news nonstop, you know, as far as there as well. So I think that's hard to pass up on those guys. And for the value, I definitely will want to snag those guys as much as I can just for value alone, not to mention they're talented individuals that uh, can be a game changer for their teams. So, Russ feels like this offseason Matt Stafford and from a value perspective, it to does. me at least. Yeah, that It really feels like it's just a, an analog uh, to last year there with new team, improved situation. I mean, it's hard to say that the weapons are necessarily better, but I think overall, you know, if you're looking at the, in, in the entire picture, that the, the situation's definitely improved there for, for Russ. I and mean, you guys just talked about it for, for 20 minutes there. Yeah. And I like that you're drawing that comparison because now it's a Super Bowl champion confirmed. There we go. Do it. See him on those uh, AT&T commercials. I mean, wow, this is – Let's go. Can't, cannot wait for that for that, uh, that Let's campaign. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, who do you have? Who, who are you liking more than their uh, current value? Yeah, so I highlighted uh, three uh, passing assets, and the first one hurts me uh, deeply to my core um, as a Broncos fan and as someone who um, has no love in their heart whatsoever for Josh McDaniels. Um, But that is Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro is currently going as wide receiver 31, according to ADP. He was wide receiver 10 last year. I don't really understand the narrative that Devontae Adams coming into town kills Hunter Renfro's value. They do very different things. Uh, On a very fine website called Campus to Canton, I wrote a position battles uh, piece about the Raiders receiving room. And if you looked at the Raiders offense, when you looked at another offense that Josh McDaniels ran, which was the 2007 uh, Patriots, the last time he had kind of the same caliber of type of and type of wide receivers as he's got here with the Raiders. Um, you know, Randy Moss got 160 targets, but Wes Welker got 140 targets, and both of them were top end wide receivers. I think Hunter Renfro is easily going to be in the wide receiver two category, and it's not going to impact Adams finishing as a wide receiver one. Um, I think the person that gets hurt more by that is somebody I'll look mention later, but Renfro, I love that deal. Um, the other wide receiver I really like, Michael Pittman. He's currently going as wide receiver 15, which is decent. But Matt Ryan has historically produced a wide receiver one every year when he's been a quarterback. Michael Pittman is that guy for Indianapolis. Um, You know, if you're betting on Paris Campbell, then obviously you have stock in Ohio State University. I think it's Pittman. I have him as wide receiver 10. I think you're going to get value there. The other one I liked in pass catchers is Dalton Schultz at tight end. I think behind Lamb, Schultz is the one that benefited the most from Amari Cooper getting traded. Gallup's fine. Gallup's going to be good. James Washington will contribute. I think Dalton Schultz has uh, the potential to be a top three tight end. 
I was going to ask you about Paris Campbell, so I'm glad that you uh, you addressed. I, that I don't hate Paris Campbell, but you know Michael Shot. Pittman's the one there. Shots fired to Matt. <laughs> I think Matt would tell you the same thing. We lament our, you know, hey, when he came out uh, thinking he was going to get Andrew Luck as his quarterback, I took Paris Campbell at like pick three in my rookie drafts. Still waiting for that to uh, pay off in any startable form. Any day now. Any day. Any now. day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, Pittman's going to be the the one guy there, and I just want to ask you real quick. Matt Ryan has at times produced two top end wide receivers. Obviously, their second guy when he's done that has been much more talented than probably whoever's going to be the second guy on the Colts. Do you have an, another pass catcher there that you like for fantasy this year? Do you think it's kind of a, a split beyond uh, Pittman? Yeah, I mean, I like the potential of Pierce. They don't really have a lot. I actually think Hines may end up, Neheim Hines may end up getting stuff. And also, the thing that's different for Matt Ryan there is, um, you know, provided Frank Reich remembers Jonathan Taylor is on his team, which sometimes is a problem if you've watched the Colts play. They have a much better running game than some of the, and a much more dominant running back than teams that that Ryan has had. So I don't know if I'm really banking a lot of value on anyone other than Pittman right now. Yeah, um, I kind of feel similarly, but uh, someone will emerge. It's the waiting game. I have some shares of Pierce. I have some shares of Campbell. If one of those guys ends up being viable, I'm going to be thrilled. Austin, what was your take on Pierce? I know he's Cincinnati, so he stood out. But I meant, like, what was your overall, you know, when you when you scouted him? Do you think he fits this mold in, in Indy? I had day three grade on him. I just okay. don't think he's a, a he he's a pretty good athlete, but I think he 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 lacks refinement. Some of that stuff that's just hard to it. teach. Like he's he, his catching technique is really bad. I mean, I I think that he he struggles to consistently release. So I mean, I, I would be shocked if he's ever more than like a wide receiver three. But again, I mean. Someone's got to get targets there. So if you're betting on one season, I, I don't know. The big monkey wrench is there's been smoke around Julio Jones to yeah, Indianapolis oh. for a long time. And I Julio. feel like the wide receiver, too, for the Indianapolis Colts isn't on the roster right now. True. It's the real answer. Because yeah. I think if you were looking and you thought you'd make a, a shot, and I think the Colts probably are the most talented team in their division you probably want to get another receiver. Yeah, her Green Bay's in the mix for either Julio or maybe Beckham. So if they don't, then Indy's definitely an option for sure. Very, very interesting. Um conversely guys, just a, a couple players that you that that uh are too much hype basically. Um and Matt, I'll let you go first on this yep. one. Uh, so I have uh, one guy for each uh, of the positions. At quarterback for me, it's Kyler Murray. He's going as QB5. Last year he was QB10. I think low-end QB1 is where I feel comfortable. The guy hasn't – it's perceived that Arizona is a high-volume pass offense because they run the air raid. Kyler Murray in three seasons has yet to hit 4,000 passing yards by the modern NFL standards. That's not incredible. Um, I think we saw last year they're trying to move away from letting him be as much of a runner to protect his health. Uh, I like him. If he was going in that QB 10 to 12 range, I'd like that a lot better. QB 5, a little rich for me. Running back Alvin Kamara still going as RB 11. I don't understand that ADP considering that it's widely believed that he's going to get a six-game suspension 
you miss six games, the first six games of your fantasy season, that's pretty brutal. I think uh, if he misses those six games, it's going to be hard for him to rise above uh, low-end RB2 value um, just because he'll miss too much time. Wide receiver Tyreek Hill, wide receiver seven. He was boom-bust last year with Patrick Mahomes. I like Jalen. He killed me places last year. I think he ends up more in the wide receiver two range. I think Jalen Waddle still ends up being their number one receiver and ends up as a wide receiver one. So I'm not paying up for Tyree Kill. Mm-hmm. And the last one I, uh, coincides with my love for Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller going as tight end five. I love Darren Waller. I've shares Darren Waller. He was tight end 17 last year, and that was getting almost 100 targets. I don't think he's going to do better than that. I think he's the one that suffers more with the Devontae Adams signing. I would like him better as a low-end tight end one. Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Tyreek, like like you said, I mean, that that's such mm-hmm. a tough one. Um, if you can survive, like, so I know, like, this is uh, – Campus can't, like – this is all long-term stuff, but like if you're right. trying to go buy mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara's like a rental for a year, what do you think you're willing to pay for this guy for like, you know, yeah, he's going to miss the first six games. Can he light it up at the end and, and, and kind of be a league winner for you? I mean, obviously you got to survive those first six games. Yeah. Short-term it's no good. I don't think that suspension impacts his dynasty value where it, well, running back 11 would be fine for me for dynasty just for 2022. It's a little bit high. Um, whereas, you know, the, the ADPs for like Hill and Kyler, I wouldn't like them in dynasty either. I don't think Kyler Murray and ever ends up being a top six quarterback. Fair enough. Yeah. And I, I, the waddle over Tyreek take is interesting. I don't know if I've, I've, heard a lot of people talking about that i'm i'm a little skeptical but you said it with such authority that now i'm kind of i I mean if you try to say it out loud because i think tyreek's not the cheetah that he used to be if that makes sense he will have weeks where he wins you the week but he'll also have weeks where he does nothing you get four points um and i think this the same thing about gasecki the idea that that miami offense is going to be able to sustain two wide receiver ones and a tight end one look at the San Francisco uh, kind of system that their coach learned under. Waddle to me is is a better bet. Yeah, well, one of the people that I was going to say that had too much hype was Gasecki. I think he did so well the past few seasons. You know, I was able to get him a good deal for like a third rounder when he was drafted. But this is a different situation. McDaniel is a tree from the Shanahan system. Uh, I don't think this is a Kittle situation because they have pieces in place where they can kind of pivot the way they need to. Uh, there's no telling what's going to happen out of their backfield with all the running backs they got. So, I mean, this is just going to be past happy. And I think it's, I think it's waddle season. I kind of agree where I think he can emerge since he's the younger, you know, you know younger wide receiver. That's just finally coming into being an NFL wide receiver for sure. Uh, Another guy I want to bring up because it's, he's a Twitter darling is Gabe Davis. What uh, I just want to ask you guys, what is – look at Austin. This is why I want to bring it up. So what what's the hype with Gabe Davis, and why is there memes where people are like, Gabe Davis is too high, please stop. So uh, let, I'm just going to go to Austin. What, what's up with Gabe Davis? Why are people so high on him? You know, I meant to put on the show sheet Not Gabe tonight Davis. that the moratorium on Gabe Davis. If you talk Gabe Davis, you're gone. Um, right. but since well, I didn't do it, guys- this, this is your warning. This is your warning. Um, I, I've muted Gabe Davis on Twitter. Um, <laughs> Did you? Few, yeah, I, I've avoided most of the discourse, I believe. I, okay. I heard it was especially bad today. Um, it was pretty weird. 
Oh, I, I don't think he's a bad player. And I think his 10th round or whatever ADP that he's going for Dynasty is probably fair. I drafted a lot of him a couple years ago. And it's just he feels like the prime guy that like this is the offseason where I cash in. And I've moved him a couple different places for uh, 2023 picks. That kind of seems to be where I, uh, I'm trying to to to, 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 to shift him if I can. Uh, I just... I mean, he's not a bad player, but I I don't believe in the talent there uh, long term. It's, somebody today was saying him over Bateman or something, and that's just like no, don't do that. Just not even the path to to targets for him over Bateman, yeah. who's got no competition in Baltimore. I, did people forget Stefan Diggs is alive? Exactly. What what doesn't people realize that Diggs is going to eat up? The receptions and then they go to this the slot wide receiver next like gabe davis is a wide receiver three and they and signed I, jamison crowder who's been a target Crowder's decent monster. Healthy, yeah and i don't believe that that josh allen will ever give up his rushing too i know they keep saying they're trying to get him to scale back so that you know that's why they brought james cook they're trying to highlight the receivers more i, I just don't th- i don't think he has it in him mental like it's just how he's wired that, that yeah he's, he's gonna try to escape the pocket yeah yeah. yeah, I just right. don't see it gave Davis the hype. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, yeah, everyone's banking on him going above the ADP, but I think it's fair to say he can just be at the ADP and you'd be okay with a wide receiver three. I mean, if we leave it at that, there really is no discussion. I just I just saw the hype recently. I was like, I'm just going to bring it to their attention. So, sorry, uh, Austin, my bad. Didn't know it was a trigger point. It, it is very, <laughs> it's very, very triggering for me. <laughs> uh, any other names or is that uh, Gabe Davis kind of your, your last? Yeah, Gabe Davis and Mike Gusecki are the guys I'm kind of fading right now currently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Matt, quick question for you, uh, kind of going back to this Dolphins offense for a second. Uh, over 100 receptions for, for Waddle this year? I think it's possible. Um, it's really going to depend on a few things. I, I wouldn't. I think he'll be right around that mark because I think he has the chemistry already built in with Tua, and um, I like the potential there. But it's it's really going to also remain to be seen how much more volume Miami's pass offense can generate. Yeah, that's going to be a big question. They, I mean, I know that they they're probably going to rotate the running backs. But they've got a lot of well, guys there now. And so. honestly, why do you sign Chase Edmonds if you're not planning to target a running back? Yeah, right. Gasecki, then you know you're, you're fading him a little bit there, uh, Brandon. Yeah. Um, fifty three catches last year and fifty three the year before that. Are we thinking over fifty catches for him with Tyreek now in town and and this uh, refilled uh, backfield? I think it declines. I mean, I yeah. would say it probably is 30 to 40 something possibly. That's high. Um, I don't, I don't think we're getting back to the fifties. I'll be brutally honest with it. So, yeah. Yeah. He, he's done that with, with low competition the past couple of years. Yeah. 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 So that I was looking. So uh, Gasecki had a hundred and, 12 targets last year and caught 73 passes. I think that, you know, Devontae Parker had 73 targets and caught 40 passes. Waddle had 140, caught 104. I think Waddle stays roughly the same. I would bet that Tyree Kill is the one that gets 100 targets. So you're probably talking more like 80 targets for Gusecki, just over 40 receptions. I think he and Parker probably flip in there volume 
All right. Well, thank you guys uh, again for hopping on here with me tonight. Um, I would be remiss if I if I did not ask this while I have you here, Matt. Uh, best movie you've seen this year so far? Um, so my current number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, from the Daniels. It was released in March. Um, it's a multiverse movie. It's the best multiverse movie that's been released this year. I... Um, you know, I watch a lot of movies. If you follow me on Letterboxd, uh, which is kind of a movie rating app, I'm up to almost 7,000 films I've seen and ranked. Wow. Um, this Holy year, God. I'm up to 275 first-time watches. It's possibly the most creative visual film I've ever seen. Michelle Yeoh um, is incredible in the lead role. I really like that. Um, the two right behind it, Top Gun Maverick. Um this is yeah. still my number two incredible dog fighting scenes sequel. That's better than the original in every aspect. And then the Batman, which was probably the most surprising film of the year for me because I'm not a Robert Pattinson fan and I have not been a Matt Reeves fan, but I liked what they did enough that it's, it's still sitting at number three. I would imagine by the end of the year, it's further down, but everything everywhere all at once it's available on voodoo VOD. Um, you should check it out. How do you know, like off the top of your head, where it ranks in your seven thousand movie list? Is it pretty darn close? Top to five thousand. Um, so I am notorious uh, among some people uh, for being kind of a tough grader. Um, like I have seen just about sixty nine hundred films, and I've only given five stars out of five on that system to thirty seven. Wow. Uh, if you expand it out to four and a half stars, which is where everything everywhere all at once is sitting, it's probably just under 200. So, so still pretty high. It's up yeah. there. I've given two films four and a half stars this year. That's the highest I've done this year. That and, and Top Gun Maverick. And that was the highest I had last year. I didn't have any five star films in 2021. Awesome. Well, now I'll have to definitely see it. I've heard some people talk about it, but, um, glad that that uh, somebody who knows what they're talking about uh is backing it up um brandon matt thank you guys for, for hopping on here um we can find you know we talked about at the beginning of the thing here every I mean, you guys both at campus to canton here um matt or um, um brandon you know just wrapped up doing an interview series and, and uh the future freshman pod talked to zach evans was that your last episode it was, yeah. Um, it was the last one as well. If another one pops up, you know, you'll see a random future freshman podcast. But until we're in hiatus working on the uh, 2023 class, and uh, it was super cool. I just, uh, you know, going back to Alvin Kamara, he's he seems to be a big guy that these younger guys are, you know, looking after, especially uh, him and Joe both mentioned uh, Kamara as far as his run style. So I think that's really cool that uh, you're seeing current players in the NFL and guys really getting an influence and, you know, seeing, you know, some from the past and, and now, you know, current NFL that they're really looking after to be, you know, how they play in their style of and style of play, which is really cool. So definitely go check out that interview, go check out the Joe Hyman one. Uh, and then we got some cool stuff coming up here for uh, in season for, for uh, CFF. So I'm pretty excited. And Matt again at Nighthawk 7734, uh, the round table, uh, music city drive-in, um, go check out all of his work as well uh, and check out the rest of the Campus to Canton uh, podcast feed. Um, all sorts of new stuff popping up on there every day. Uh, and last, but certainly not least, the, the CFF guide that came out this week. We talked a little bit about it uh, on our show earlier this week, guys, $20. It is extremely comprehensive, 231 pages. 
uh, full uh, breakdowns of every single roster basically across the FBS, uh, including offensive line depth charts. I don't know how the guys did it, uh, but, but major kudos to everybody that worked on that. Until next time, guys, I am Austin. He's Brandon. He's Matt. Good night. Good luck.